Well, greetings. This is John Van Bladel, and welcome back to the Building Peace Initiative at youwantapieceofmeonline.com. Today's podcast is titled An Informed Assertive Compassion. I believe it's podcast number 18. I'll be inviting the bell of mindfulness on occasion to slow me down a little bit and give us some time to consider what's been said. And we'll do a little practice bell. And when you hear it, just breathe in and out three times normally, and we will continue with the podcast afterwards. So in my attempts or practice of trying to live a more peaceful life and create a more peaceful world by focusing on compassion um, while considering the concept of interdependence, I've run into quite a few hurdles. Uh, the first ones are my own ego and my distorted perceptions of the world, often driven by what have been called the four Fs, fight, flight, feed, and fornicate. Remember them? Uh, yes, some days I am a primate, it seems, without higher functions. Uh, you may relate to that on occasion. And then there's the daily struggle of living in a world that is simply too centered on itself, or too centered on ourselves. Now, I am also too centered on myself at times, maybe more than I'm aware of, uh, but I suppose it depends on your reference point. I would say I'm also self, selectively self-centered uh, in the way that I'm selectively compassionate, with, which I've addressed in earlier um, podcasts. We tend to simply care more about those close to us, those that we have decided deserve to be cared for. Uh, some call it tribalism, strong feelings of loyalty towards those that are part of our in-group. Now, this is in contradiction of what Einstein and others have talked about. Um, briefly, what he and others have mentioned is extending our circle of compassion to include all living creatures and also nature in its beauty. Now, how to do this while preserving our sanity and our physical health, meaning having a basic sense of safety, is the question. Uh, you may have noticed that some of the people who have advocated for peace and justice have been maligned or even killed. Uh, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. stand out. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and Dalai Lama also endured many threats and had to seek refuge outside of their countries. There's a struggle between being driven by fear and motiva motivated by generosity. Uh, be too generous and you're not going to be able to pay the rent. Then what happens to you? We've not gotten to the point where we're willing to guarantee that everyone's basic needs for safety and security will be met. Uh, we can do this. There's enough money and resources to go around. I referenced Rutger Bregman in the past, um, his TED talk. Poverty is not a lack of character, it's a lack of cash. It's worth taking a look at. Well, maybe this wouldn't be accomplished too easily. I think it would take an epiphany of sorts. I de define an epiphany as a moment of sudden and great revelation or realization or a revolution in consciousness and ethics. Uh, we can solve this problem if, we're, if we commit to a different set of ethics. Uh, consider the issue of hunger and starvation. It's not a lack of food. It's a distribution problem. There's enough to feed everyone at this point. By consuming the way we do, excessively, we deprive others of meaningful lives and in some cases, life ourselves. And it's not just food, it's our natural resources. Um, so why don't we change? 
it would seem to be ethical to share with others. Well, some of us are unaware of this reality. We just accept the situation and go along with it because it's just the way things are. One of my favorite lines in the movie, Babe. Or we rationalize. We do the mental gymnastics so we can justify holding a position that some people are disposable and they don't have the same right to life as we do. Some even evoke manifest destiny, and some look to the divine to save us. But the foundation of it is that we really believe that some, in some and in, in many cases us, are more deserving than others, whether because it's been hard work, um, or we just somehow feel that we're more deserving. We often operate in a zero-sum game mentality. Uh, there have to be winners and losers. Uh, if we give to someone else that has less, we're going to lose something. That's not the case with compassion. Uh, through compassion, all of us can benefit, rather than exploiting others for our own benefit or self-interest. We also have the issue of powerful media outlets and algorithms that operate 24-7, drawing people into echo chambers that amplify fear, hate, anxiety, distrust, and provide us with a tremendous amount of both misinformation and disinformation. Uh, they assist in dividing people into groups and convincing people that we should fear each other. Back to the four Fs. Race, ethnicity, gender, religion, political ideology, they're all used effectively to create and us versus them mentality and dualistic perspectives. Now this keeps people distracted and that's what bread and circus is all about dating, dating back to the Romans and the Colosseum puts us in a fight-flight mode that's fear-based and some of us who are materially wealthy when we're kept fed and entertained we tend not to cause many problems for the existing power structure or oligarchies and we do not require that they give up their self centered ways. Uh, consumerism is still a foundation of our economic systems. If we stop purchasing goods, the economy suffers and we may become unemployed. And you know, I've been teaching history, which is one of the reasons I'm a little behind in my podcasts, because it's something that takes a lot of time to prepare for. And you go back to consumerism before when the colonies got established, uh, there was a great deal of it in a sense that you wanted to buy British goods so that you could appear to be living the lifestyle of the British. Um, that's and to think that it went way back to that time in our recorded history and even further back in other cultures is pretty illuminating to say the least. Often we define ourselves by our physical possessions. Now the antidote for all this self-interest is empathy and compassion. And I came across something by August Comte who basically stated it's the elimination of selfish desire and of egocentrism as well as leading a life devoted to the well-being of others that makes life meaningful. So what he was talking about is the commitment to living a life that preserves not only our own life, but the lives of all others. And I'll add this part, including animals, plants, and natural resources. In essence, the entire biosphere that supports our existence, known as the Earth. So, how do we get people to experience compassion? or ourselves not become desensitized to it. Uh, we're so busy, and we have little time for reflection, 
our minds move from topic to topic faster than the news feeds on the various devices we scan, our omnipresent electronic devices. I mean, you can't even pump gas without being blared at by a TV screen that's advertising something or touting um, a particular point of view. With so much information, uh, it's easy to become desensitized or deadened to some of the realities around us. Um, we've also developed a language to uh, obfuscate, I can never pronounce that word right, uh, the painful realities uh, that have been created by our own self-interest. Uh, we hear terms like food insecurity, which really means hunger, malnutrition, illness, starvation, um, which brings it a little bit more into reality when, these, when we use those terms. And we also come up with terms like a living wage. Now, in the U.S., the poverty line for 2023 is $14,580 for one person and $30,000 for a family of four. Now, that's ridiculous. And does that mean if you make $14,581, you're no longer living in poverty? Figure that out. How many bills you couldn't pay if you were, were actually in poverty. Now, taking a perspective a little bit closer to home here, the living wage, or the hourly rate that an individual in a household must earn to support his or herself in the Albany area of New York is where I live, is seventeen twenty-five an hour. By the way, minimum wage is $14.20 an hour. Um, the assumption is that the sole provider in this case would be working full-time. Um, for a 40-hour week, that would mean you make $690 a week. And annually, that would be $35,880 before taxes. Good luck paying your rent at $690 a month. This is not a living wage, so stop calling it one, or explain in detail exactly what you mean by living. Uh, the problem is that the people who sit in a room and define these terms, they're not hungry, and they have not tried to live on a living wage. If they had actually engaged empathy and compassion, they would make different decisions around this. If they spent some time with people who are giving up meals for them and maybe their children so that they can pay electric bills or rent, they might come into contact with suffering that would change their minds and hearts. Better yet, fill up the room with people who are hungry or people who are existing on a living wage, and I will guarantee you they will be able to come up with solutions quickly, and they'll probably be pretty good solutions. So we're often told we are in this together. You'll hear that very often. Maybe it'll be a politician. Maybe it'll be someone touting our unity. But what is this? What exactly does that mean? And you can, can you quantify what together is? Do we really have all the same goals? We look a lot more divided by race, ethnicity, gender, religion, and social class than bound together by it. That's what oligarchies do. They divide and conquer, but only if, they, if we allow them to play us for suckers. And that occurs. People consistently vote against themselves. So we have a long history of touting social Darwinism as a rationale for exploitation and inculcating people into a form of manifest destiny, implying that the poor deserve their lot rather than addressing the systemic issues that perpetuate inequality.
<sighs> now you might have to think about those for a bit, um, but I do believe politically it's very interesting when people point the fingers at immigrants or um, you know people on public assistance. Uh, are they really the problem? And I would really challenge you to do a little bit of research on that one. Uh, figure out where the dollars are spent. Take a look at how hard you're working with your job and a half. Um, and the fact that you're not making it or, or not reaching the American dream that has been touted for decades. Uh, and ask yourself sincerely, where is that coming from? And take a look at determining who exactly is at, or what exactly is at the root of this. Now, the examples I provided you um, thus far have been meant to help us become more informed. This includes challenging the information that you are presented with and obtaining accurate information. We also need to understand human rights and ethics. Now, ethics includes those defined by religion, because that was really the foundation of a lot of our ethical systems. They can be a powerful force, as all of us have been exposed to a set of ethics developed by religions. Uh, embracing the golden rule is a great place to start. Uh, treat others the way you would like to be treated. In, in Christianity or Buddhism, there are seven deadly sins and parallels to it, the effects of greed uh, on both our spirit and the world around us. And the, as I said, the golden rule, great place to start. Take a look at the Charter for Compassion, which will be pretty intense for some of you. Uh, which states that any interpretation of scripture which causes violence or harm is incorrect. And they make a really powerful statement that resonates uh, with me. Now, I bring religion into this um, for the simple reason that it is all over the place, and you can't escape it. And I think it is really incumbent upon you to get an understanding of it and come to your own interpretation of what it means. Uh, take a look at Southern Liberation Theology. Uh, which states that our purpose on this earth is to serve the poor. That's a little bit different than how our system of capitalism works. So once we have opened our hearts and minds, the next step is to assert ourselves. And this requires information, which I just touched on, confidence, commitment, and courage. Ooh, the three C's. Maybe we can make a hat. Uh, you have a right, even an obligation, to demand that your needs be heard and met based on laws that have been codified in in the U.S., the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and globally, the U.N. Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and, of course, the basic ethics posed by religions as how we should treat each other. Now, personally, when it comes to religion, I'm non-negotiable over thou shalt not kill. We simply do not have the right to remove a person from the face of the earth, <coughs> to rob someone of their life, or shifting over to patriotism, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, if we just agree to start with the documents that I've mentioned, evaluate them, I'll bet a great deal will change. It's just a matter of what we choose to focus on within these documents. And whether it be me or anybody else out there, don't let anyone tell you what to focus on. Just take a look at them and make a determination what seems valid to you. Now, the assertion that I just made is forceful. I consider it to be valid. 
and it's well supported. I'm 100% confident in it. Well, maybe not 100%, because I'm not 100% anything, but I am confident in it. And good luck arguing with me against any of the documents that I just mentioned, because they're not something I thought up. I am standing on the shoulders of giants. I've evaluated what they've had to say and applied it as best I can. You can too. So I'm going to end today, oh by the way, when you apply them you'll get some pushback of course because everybody has opinions, but uh, there's a difference between an opinion and a well-supported and well-informed position. So I'll end today with a quote, or almost end, that I hope is prescient. Once poverty is gone, we'll need to build museums to display its horrors to future generations. They'll wonder why poverty continued so long in human society, how a few people could live in luxury while billions dwelt in misery, deprivation, and despair. That's by Muhammad Yunus. Uh, he was a Nobel Peace Prize winner, giving out microloans to people. Uh, I, again, I have a list of people who have done amazing things out there in the world that you normally don't hear about. I'll have to post them one day. So here's a closing statement for you. I really do think we need to turn the tide from self-interest to compassionate awareness and action that is inclusive and where we consider the right to live a happy life for everybody, not just, not just ourselves. So consider putting an informed, assertive compassion into action. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, do I hear a brand developing? That's a joke, <laughs> I think. But in any case, till next time, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, and may you live in peace while practicing an informed assertive compassion.